As you heard, we're continuing this morning. This is the third Sunday in a series where we are examining the Old Testament character of Samuel, and in particular, uh, the ways that his story is happening, both at a pivotal time in the life of the ancient kingdom of Israel and in ways that Samuel's story reflects and sheds insight into Jesus' story that would come centuries later. Last week we heard about Samuel's call to ministry when he was a young man sleeping at night in the temple. And in the chapters that have occurred between last week and this morning, Samuel has been growing and increasing in his knowledge of God at the exact inverse rate of what the kingdom of Israel has been doing. They've been getting worse and worse, forgetting God, forgetting to trust in God, and at the same time losing more and more and more battles against their neighboring enemies, the Philistines. They've even lost the Ark of the Covenant in battle. And so then our story picks up today. All of Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was a trustworthy prophet of the Lord. Then Samuel said to all the house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods from among you. Direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So Israel put away the foreign gods, and they served the Lord only. Then Samuel said, Gather all Israel at Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mizpah, and drew water, and poured it out before the Lord. They fasted that day, and said, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mizpah. As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel. But the Lord thundered with a mighty voice that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion, and they were routed before Israel. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up and named it Ebenezer, for he said, Thus far the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and did not again enter the territory of Israel. The hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. The towns that the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel, from Ekron to Gath. And Israel recovered their territory from the hands of the Philistines. There was peace also between Israel and the Amorites. Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. He went on a circuit year by year to Bethel, Gilgal, and Mizpah, and he judged Israel in all these places. Then he would come back to Ramah, for his home was there. He administered justice there to Israel and built there an altar to the Lord. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Did you hear that strange word there in the middle? Ebenezer, Ebenezer. We sing that word in the second stanza of the beautiful hymn that we opened with, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Often we sing that word without remembering the story it comes from. 
an Ebenezer, literally a stone of help, is a reminder that the prophet Samuel erects to remind the people of Israel of all that God had done. Here I raise my Ebenezer. At the beginning of this year, as the calendar turned to 2020, I was talking on the phone to a friend of mine who lives out of town. We catch up occasionally. And we were asking each other, what are you looking forward to in this new year? What are you expecting? What's going on? My friend shared that he was working, he hoped to be, in 2020, working on the idea of trust. He told me the story about being in a group counseling session that he's in, and the leader of the group asked the participants a series of questions. First, he said, is there someone in your family that you love? Deep, deep down to the very core of your being, is there someone in your family that you love? And everybody in the room nodded or raised their hand. He said, good. And then he said, do you believe that that person loves you in return to the same depth and degree that you love them? Only a few hands went up in the group. The person was talking, the leader of this counseling session was talking to the group about how hard it is to receive love to the same degree that we give love. Because we know internally, we know how much we love someone. We don't have to prove it to ourselves. But we don't know the depth of their love for us. We can't see it and feel it the same way as we can our own internal feelings. We might see glimpses of it through external actions, but those aren't proof of love. They're merely the overflowing of what is already there. And so my friend said over the phone, I'm working on trust this year. Trust that the people whom I love, love me back just as much. Even if I can't see it, even if I can't prove it, trust in love that is not Seen. In many ways, that's a fitting description of what's going on in these stories from the Old Testament, not just from Samuel's life, but from a large group of books of the Bible, from Joshua, Judges, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings. All of these books are written and tell us the story of Israel in a way that shows us when their trust is high and when it is low when they can place their obedience and love directed toward their creator, God, and when they forget and they fall into patterns of idolatry. We see it here in this text. They had begun to worship other gods. They claimed that the one God of the Old Testament, Yahweh, was their Lord, but They'd suffered defeat after defeat after defeat at the hands of the Philistines. And so they were ready to look for something else, something with a little bit more proven track record. The Philistines keep winning with their superior military technology, 
with their higher governmental organizational patterns and certainly with their gods that represent their strength. Maybe we should cast our lot in that direction. It seems simplistic, but the pattern that repeats over and over in these books of the Bible is that when the people remember and return to God, they end up being freed from their adversaries. And when they forget, they suffer defeat over and over again. It's in the midst of one of these times of transition that our story picks up today. The trusted prophet Samuel stands up and says, Listen, y'all, put away the foreign gods. It's not just about putting away statues or changing the name of what God you pray to. No, putting away foreign gods, refusing to participate in idolatry, means stop trusting in the military systems of the Philistines. Stop putting your faith in the patterns of these Canaanite opponents. Remember who you really are. Trust in the God who fights for you. The God who freed you from slavery. The God who led you, who brought you to this promised land. Put away the foreign gods means remember who you really are as well. Samuel says, direct your heart to God. Direct your heart. Stop playing this idolatry game, this desire for quick fixes and easy answers. No, direct your heart. Now, when we see hearts, especially in the month of February, we associate them with the fleeting patterns of emotional love, right? The heart wants what it wants. Be my valentine. But for the ancient communities, especially for the ancient kingdom of Israel and the authors of Scripture, the heart was understood metaphorically and maybe a little bit literally as the organ of commitment. It was with your heart that you placed your trust. Wholeheartedly, that phrase still remains. We use it today. And so Samuel says, wholeheartedly, Direct yourselves, place your trust in the God you cannot see. Let go of the world's quick fixes and easy answers. Direct your hearts to God. You know, in our own ways and throughout our own days, the Christian church has had its own uh, dabblings with idolatry. Not so much with foreign gods, but with the ways of the world around us. It's an old, old pattern going all the way back to ancient Rome when Christians tried to have both empire and gospel together. Kings and tyrants throughout history have claimed to be the sole authorities in matters of faith. Worship God, but also worship my divine right as your ruler. Here in the American South, we are haunted all too regularly by the old patterns of seeking to have both the economic success that came on the backs of slavery and the stories of faith that called us to claim ourselves as a Christian nation, to identify with God 
and to ignore the the cries of those who suffered at our own hands. Jesus says, you can't serve two masters, both God and wealth, both God and security, both God and all the right easy answers. And so instead, Samuel directs the kingdom of Israel to the truth. He says there comes a time, a turning point, when you must direct your heart to God. You must make a decisive decision to put away these old, broken, ethically bankrupt systems. Trust in God. And so in the story, they have this great covenant renewal ceremony. They pour out libations to Yahweh. They fast. They confess their sins. They recommit themselves into a relationship with God. They put their trust in a God that they cannot see. And quite a dramatic scene develops. Right as they're in the middle of this ceremony, the Philistine army shows up and tries to attack. But there's a loud crash of thunder, and the people of the Philistines are scattered in confusion. A few years ago, the first time I set foot in this church building, I was coming to interview for the position of serving as the next pastor. The pastor nominating committee, the great group that you elected, was meeting. We were in the conference room. I was sweating bullets. And then in the middle of something I was saying, there was a loud clash of thunder. You know how it sounds, especially in this part of town. We're a little bit higher. Somehow the thunder seems a little bit louder. Loud crash of thunder. All the lights in the building go off. And now I'm really sweating. (laughs) God crashes thunder onto the attack of the Philistines. And notice the words here. It doesn't say that Israel was victorious. It doesn't say Samuel led them to win their battle. It uses indirect language. It just says the Philistines were routed before them. This is God's victory in the midst of this renewal ceremony. God is the unspoken subject Because God is the one who in this story does for them what they could never do for themselves. With hearts directed to their covenant-making God, with their trust in the love of God that they could not see, God prevails. Notice the people didn't pray to win their military campaign. They didn't pray that they would conquer. They didn't pray for worldly success. No, in this covenant renewal ceremony, they confessed their sins. They prayed for forgiveness. They prayed for a new beginning. And that's what God gave them. God acted decisively to transform the situation and did what they could not do for themselves. For this is the way that God works in Scripture. God brings about newness of life, freedom from bondage. This is not a story about the victory of the winners. No, it's about the deliverance of the losers. 
those lost in their own sin, just as we find ourselves so often. And in response, Samuel sets up a great stone monument. An Ebenezer, the word means stone of help. A memory, a memorial of what God has done. In many ways, that stone of help, that perpetual reminder, reminds me of what we do every time we gather around this table. This table has become for us a reminder of what God has done for us that we could not and would not do for ourselves. A memory. In the midst of the prayer that we will say in just a few moments around this table, I'll invite you to lift up your hearts. And we'll respond, we lift them to the Lord. Direct our hearts to God. Tune our hearts to sing thy praise. It's not about bribing God into letting us win, but it's a prayer to transform our stony hearts, to transform us into a new community of resurrection hope. Here, here we raise our Ebenezer. Hither by God's help alone we have come. And we hope through God's work to safely be led home again. To God alone be all honor and glory now and forever. Amen.